You're listening to episode 34 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. So we have a really great conversation for you in the Is It Normal segment. So we're going to be talking about is it normal for mom and dad as they age to want to have sex? Yuck, right? We don't want to think about that with our parents, but is that normal? So we're going to dive deep into what does intimacy look like at this stage of the game, how to tackle those awkward conversations, and how to protect your parents. Maybe protect their dignity from some awkward moments, but also protect them in preserving their need for intimacy and their their need for love. So stay tuned while we dive deep into this somewhat embarrassing conversation, but one we really need to have. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, Melissa and Robin here. We're back again with another tough conversation. Yes, I'm talking about the types of conversations that make you blush. Intimacy with your loved ones, the lovely older adults in our lives. Yes, folks, they still have sex. They still want to have sex. They still want to connect. So what does that look like? One, for your independent parents that are still amorous together, or they're widowed and they're dating again, or two, they have cognitive issues and they're getting friskier even more now than they have in the past. So Robin, you actually got this this whole idea going because you wrote a phenomenal blog about how you had to deal with it with your own mom. So kick us off. Well, I, I got to tell you, um, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think that uh, sometimes if you walk into a facility, Melissa, or you, you're out shopping and you see the couple holding hands and you think, oh, that is so sweet. Look at that. But when it happens to you, it's gross. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I think we forget as people age, even, you know, maybe not even the sex, but just to be touched. You forget what it's like to be touched. I know I had a surgery that several, several years ago, and I had so much pain that I don't think another person touched me for a couple months. And Mm -hmm. I remember at the end of that, when I was feeling better and my husband just gave me a hug and I thought, I said to him, oh my goodness, I have missed personal touch. Mm. And that was just a very short period of time. And I think we forget about that. And we often um, maybe unknowingly condescend to older people and pat them maybe and move on. But we've got to remember that they're still human. They still react. They still like a compliment, Mm -hmm. you know, 
you're beautiful today. I've noticed several different times in facilities how they will tell the older women how pretty they look and, and you just see them shine. So I think that's part of intimacy as well. But we've got to remember that those things still happen. They still have those feelings. And my mom, as I talked about in the blog, had several friends. There were some that she enjoyed the companionship, but there was this one gentleman that she just was over the moon about and all she would talk about, and she would just giggle uh, was about how, what a good kisser he was. <laughs> and I remember thinking, Oh my heavens, my 16 year old daughter is not telling me this stuff. And I've got to listen to my mom tell me about what a good kisser this guy was and how things got a little bit intimate. I don't think it went any further than that. But it it was weird. It was interesting. I tried to remember she needed that touch, but it still was not comfortable. Like, I love what you said about those conversations that make you blush. Mm -hmm. And I know you've dealt with situations. I had a family that they dealt with in a facility that both parties had dementia and they ended up in bed together and it was a big deal. And how the facility handled it, I think, was okay. The daughter of the gentleman was just mortified, as as well was the daughter of the mother. But it was interesting to me how upset the other, the daughter of the dad, got about the situation. And it, and I think that's something that needs to be addressed because I think it happens more often than not because they do lose some of that filter and they they lose the inhibitions and things like that. Yes, indeed. And a statistic that I've known for a while, and I think people that are not in, in our industry are shocked to hear this, but STDs among the, among the elderly are some of the highest rates of STDs out there. And I think it's, one, they're not using protection for birth control but they aren't really necessarily thinking about how they may be prone to STDs. So that's always been an interesting fact. And so my experience is more clinical than personal. Thank goodness, mom, dad don't need to know what's going on there for you. But from a clinical (laughs) perspective, I've had uh, recently in my counseling practice, several situations where daughters have called me up and said, I need you to see my dad. He wants to talk about his sex life with me. (laughs) It's like he needs a space where he can, he can open up and share what he needs to share, but I can't have this conversation. And so I, you know, and I, I feel honored that I can hold space for that. And so I've had these conversations with older men uh, about, yeah, about how they're struggling, either if they're single and widowed and how, you know, that looks for them, how they're missing it. And then others who are having situations where medications are changing their ability to have sex and how they're dealing with the depression related to that. And it's, I've been impressed with their ability and desire to talk about it. And so I've, wanted to make sure I, again, offer that space (laughs) to relieve the daughters from having to talk about it with their parents. But also for those individuals, it's been males mostly that talk about it, but there've been some women that have wanted to kind of share, but not nearly as in depth. So again, it's, it is probably more important for males than it is for women. 
to continue that sexual intimacy. And as it fades in relationships, for whatever reason, it's something that uh, caregivers need to be mindful of, that they're going to be missing it. So Robin, you pointed out that when cognition declines from different types of dementias, the free, the prefrontal cortex where everybody has their impulse controls goes away so that you see some behaviors that are not normal. And all of a sudden, you know, the man who was heavily involved in his church and this woman who swore off sex at the age of like 60, all of a sudden are like teenagers horny teenagers in a facility setting. And so we had those situations and, and these two cute little lovebirds, they just were frisky as anything in the facility I was in. And as a social worker, it was my job to communicate with the family. And in this situation, specifically, the family members on both sides were very reasonable and appreciative, and they understood the disease. They had also understood the need. And so they tried to roll with it as best they could. They felt like they were being called by the principal. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry to have to um, notify you of this, (laughs) but your loved one is doing this. And we had to be very careful that we weren't just shutting down the behavior because we didn't think they should be you know, touching each other or that sort of thing. And they wanted to have sex. They wanted to have sex. And so they would be, and they were in wheelchairs. They'd be hightailing it to each other's rooms. The main reason why we intervened at that level was because that would be unsafe. Talk about the fall risks involved. And there were cognition issues going on. They were two, they were both very willing. So we, we tried to monitor it the best we could from a safety standpoint, from a dignity standpoint, some of what they were doing, they, you know, they wouldn't want to be doing that in front of other people, but it was a balancing act to, to respect their right to still feel sexual. I also had in the facility setting, a woman who, again, from a stroke and dementia issues started saying things, started making very sexual comments And, uh, her poor husband, like you said, was mortified over it, but I had to help him help validate how embarrassing it was for him to hear his sweet little wife say the F word and mean it (laughs) that she wanted, (laughs) she wanted to F the doctor because he was cute. You know, um, that's hard for people to have to cope with that. I the, the irony is that those thoughts are there. We have those human thoughts. We just have the ability to control them being <laughs> coming out for the rest of the world to hear. So as caregivers, yes, you're going to be embarrassed. Try to roll with it. Try to get support from professionals when you need to so that you don't feel like the shame Embarrassment, yes. Don't feel shame about what's going on for your loved one. Well, and I think in facilities, it's interesting because men are always a hot commodity Mm -hmm. because there's always less men there than there are women. And so it's almost like a swoop in and get them. What was I watching the other night? There was a movie and it was Morgan Freeman in it. 
but they all they were in a a nurse or a retirement community and there were four women to every man and they would all just swoop into the first man that came along. So it is, it is normal. It brings in healthy reactions. Even if the women are fighting or flirting with somebody, it does make you feel good. I think that one of the places that I'm concerned with in a facility is in a cognitive situation. It's hard to know where to draw the line as far as is this consensual? Because do they have the capacity to make wise decisions? So I think that's that's where it is as far as a concern maybe for the facility that a lot of times they will shut it down just because they're, they're afraid of that. They're probably afraid of some lawsuits and things like that from the families. And that was the situation with the family that I was involved with is the they did not think the dad had the capacity to say no. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, the other side was the sweet little church going woman that their family could not even imagine mm-hmm. that this was going on. But they do need the touch. They need the intimacy. I know in my blog, I talked about how in the evenings, and it was so funny because it was so rigid. So it wasn't even romantic mm-hmm. that at the last 30 minutes before her friend would go home, he would sit on the couch. My mom would sit in between his legs and they would just sort of cuddle. And let me tell you, when you walk in and see that, that's, that's not endearing. And I, and all I could think about was had I been sitting like that as a teenager, I would have, that boy would have been out on his ear and I would have been grounded for the rest of my life, I guess. But it's interesting that they even continued that behavior when we were visiting, you know, if, if they want to do that when I'm not around, that's fine. But that filter, I don't know if it was the filter that was gone saying, hey, this is okay. Or it was just my mom's personality of I'll show you, I'll do what I want to do in my home. It, mm-hmm. it could be a little bit of both. But it was uncomfortable. So I do think, as you're talking about, even in public and probably some of these facilities, that they tend to touch or be a little amorous. And they don't, that filter again is gone saying, hey, this isn't appropriate. If we're going to do this, we need to go into another room or with my mom. Hey, my granddaughter is here watching this. Mm -hmm. We need to not do this. So it's a little bit of all of it. But bottom line is they do need those things. I think it is needing to be protective. Just like you said, the STDs are huge. I mean, that group of people are you know, I picture them as a bunch of swingers, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably not true, but they do tend to jump around because again, you know, we got four women to one man and Mm -hmm. they uh, want that attention. They want to know, and they're not always safe because we think about pregnancy and we don't necessarily think about diseases, but as gross and as uncomfortable as it makes us. And I, I don't know, Melissa, do you think it's a conversation with your parents saying, and maybe I should have said, mom, you know, could you not do that when we're here? That's fine when we're not here. But, you know, just watching your parent kiss somebody goodnight is, is uncomfortable. Yeah. So especially if it's not your dad. And I, let me right. say that, you know, I, I probably, my dad would kiss my mom goodbye every time he go to work, but that's the only time I ever saw any affection. So it was just 
a real eye-opening type thing. So is it a conversation, Melissa? Hey, this isn't good. I I think it's, it's totally dependent on your situation, your individualized situation. And honestly, Robin, you said it best in a quote that it's not their behaviors that take their dignity away. It's our reaction to them that takes their dignity away. And so I think we have to check ourselves and how we're reacting. And I can see where in, in more community-based settings um, or like when your daughter was there that you might want to have a conversation around that. Like, Hey, family's all around right now. I don't think this is the best time for him to visit or, or for you all to be doing this. I mean, with cognitive issues, it's just goes in one ear and out the other, but literally it's not going to stick what you're saying. So it's more about how you're processing it and less about what's going on for them, except from a standpoint of, do you need to protect them in in a safety way? Do you need, is it consensual? Is it safe? Is it that they're not thinking about the risks involved. And can you do that in a way where it's not so overt, you know, like where you're maybe with them when they go out on a date together or you're in the facility. That's what we, we did a lot. We just made sure they were in group settings and that the staff was monitoring them and redirecting them instead of punitive, like, no, you know, stop doing that all negative. Although they didn't always handle it well, Uh, we did our best to maintain their dignity, keep them as safe as possible. But I think it's individualized and I think dignity has to drive it. Well, and you know, I'm also thinking about when I worked in the non-medical company, we had, of course, you're sending young caregivers in sometimes to these men that have these urges. Mm -hmm. And, and as you talked about earlier, and you may know that as as the daughter of someone that, hey, dad tends to be inappropriate. And that I feel like is your responsibility to talk to those caregivers about that this is what is going to happen. We certainly don't. We want you to put those boundaries there. We want you to stop it if he starts making comments. You know, certainly that's not appropriate. I'm not going to listen to this, that type thing. When we ended up, we had one situation. It was before I was there of uh, a caregiver, the daughter came in and found the caregiver's undergarments thrown all through the house and found her father and the caregiver in bed together. Wow. (laughs) Definitely making those boundaries. And I'm sure you have, Melissa, I have had older gentlemen make some lewd conversations or remarks to me that were not appropriate and maybe it was them testing the waters, things like mm-hmm. that. But, and it was just a redirection of I'm ignoring what you're saying and turning it into something different, things like that. So we do need to be aware of it. We need to have a game plan, maybe for a caregiver who's coming in, not mm-hmm. necessarily the daughter. Or request a, you know, if you know that a young woman coming in, is going to be their type. Maybe you request somebody that they wouldn't necessarily right, have those, re- those behaviors with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of ways to handle it, but I, I do, I agree with the dignity, even though it is not what we would prefer. It's what they need. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a human 
response. We all need that. We sure do. And I'm glad we're talking about it. And for those who want to read Robin's blog as well on it, I thought that was a great blog that you did. And we need we need to talk about this. And we just kind of maybe need to put it on people's radar so that when it happens to them, they're not as like deer in a headlight, right? <laughs> Mom, you stop that and stop it now. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so Go to your room. Good deal. Thank you, Robin, for going down this very embarrassing, tough conversation with with me today for our daughters out there that are probably dealing with this a little bit. And if I could be next to you, I'd give you a hug. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. We'll catch you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.